connected with Ernest Peicher. Uh, he's a screenwriter. He wrote the screenplay Terror and Virtue, played at the Dra uh, Festival for Drama. Uh, really interesting script. It's it's about the French Revolution, which probably if you if you poll anybody in America, maybe what one percent of the population knows about it, and and which is interesting because it's like set in the seventeen hundreds. So you're kind of modernizing uh, this this very unique story. So it's full of so much like insight and like I guess it's a pilot so I'm assuming you want to make it a series I guess yeah that's exactly right it's envisioned as a series um and it's exactly as you say the French Revolution um is directly tied to the American Revolution and we do that in the script and historians are like well aware of it but the American audience isn't necessarily aware yeah. so um it's just a really great opportunity to to explore an area of history that hasn't been explored enough because, yeah, because I, I guess only if you go into, if you study history on more of an academic level, but this is not what they're teaching you and kids in school, I guess, right? Right, right, right. And people know, like, you know, I don't know, in their, in their gut, because there are characters like Lafayette and Rochambeau, and you see streets named after them, but people don't necessarily make the connection that, you know, these people went back and the French Revolution happened right after. I mean, within a few years, there was suddenly another revolution. And... Also, people don't necessarily know um, just how massive the French Revolution was. Um, so this is a really wonderful opera. I mean, basically what happened to me is I had no idea um, because I realized that Lafayette's this, this big guy and people know who he is vaguely. And I was like, whatever happened to him after the American Revolution? And I looked into it and his life is just an insane story. He was deeply involved in the French Revolution and, and had a crazy life there and ends up going in, in uh, solitary confinement for a decade and all this stuff like like out of a, like out of a book or out of a show and so I tried to find something that I could watch that would show the story and there's really yeah. nothing out there so again to get people like and if I could say it in a sentence I guess it's it's like something that occurred that but it set up the principles of democracy or liberal democracy as we know it today right so a lot of the we think that the, the American, sorry, I'm Canadian, so it's just like I, we're not, we're just as bad. So I shouldn't, I right, shouldn't right, judge yeah, too right. much. But yeah. it's well, like, you guys have a little French history too. There you go. You think that 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 that, uh, that you know that you think that capitalism was created like when Jesus was born, right? So like it's, but it's like this is this is something that's too, really only 200 years old if you really think about it, right? So and this is this these are the kind of fundamentals of like what how. We execute our democracy today, I guess, right? Absolutely. Yeah. This is where it's all born. Um, this is not, so, you know, that you have ancient Greece and basically that, but between ancient Greece and like modern America with the Constitution, you have virtually nothing that explores this. And all of a sudden, in the late 1700s, you get this explosion of interest in freedom and limited government and concepts that had not really been explored otherwise. Um, but what people don't really, I mean, the French Revolution is. If you study one thing in history, I'd say study the French Revolution, because it, it's everything packed into one insane little, you know, 10 year period. And they try out the same thing America tries out. They try out this republic. And it, I mean, not to give spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, it's a history it lesson, right? So, yeah. Yeah. And it totally collapses into basically a dictatorship led by Robespierre, where they're just chopping heads off and all this. And this happens within a couple of years. But Robespierre the whole time is claiming that he's a true Democrat. You know, he's the one representing the people. So you get this like supercharged, super tight political story all happening within a couple of years. And then, of course, it leads directly into Napoleon, 
who runs an actual dictatorship and starts conquering the world. And all the while you've got intrigue and you've got war. I mean, it's an amazing period and it just blew my mind that nothing's been done on it. And that's why it became a real passion of mine to try to do something. And then, so you tell the kind of individual stories to kind of set up the macro thematic, I guess. That's, that's exactly plan. right. Yeah. It's yeah. character driven. It's following the stories. Each of these people uh, who you see in the pilot has a wild storyline. Uh, you meet some people as the story goes on as well, like Napoleon, like Robespierre, who you don't see in the pilot. But you meet some people in the future as well. And it, and the idea that separates this from like a history book, say, is that it's not focused on the events. It's focused on the characters and the real world, real world decisions they're making and the personal decisions they're making, the personal lives they're leading. So then as an audience member, either you you know about this. And so then what you're you're, you're plotting is that. You're plotting the interest, right? It's like watching any sort of historical movie. Like, right. we're going to defeat the Nazis, but basically we, <laughs> it's the end. I'm using an analogy, right? We're right, taking, right, right. Using the setup to like, we know the ending, but it's like, what's the what's in the gray area, right? And it's exactly the same, right. At the same time, if you're not an audience, if you don't know anything about it, you're just having fun watching the story, I guess, right? Exactly. Like I went into this assuming that all people basically know is that France is a thing <laughs> and that um, Marie Antoinette gets her head chopped off. And I went from there and I tried to try to kind of tell a story and show what actually happened. I also took made a choice to kind of make it historically accurate so that people can watch it and be like, oh, this actually happens. And so they can actually learn something watching it while first and foremost, it's a show. It's a great show with like drama and all this. But secondarily, they're also learning what actually happened during this period. So um, some historical shows do that. Some of them just take the vibe and kind of ride with the vibe. But this actually follows what actually happened in us and is abnormally historically accurate for a show without getting dry, <laughs> I hope. <laughs> yeah. No, no. It's like history is interesting because it's like a lot of it repeats itself. Right. Like right. so like like a lot of things that happened then you can relate to today and invite. And you know what I mean? Like in terms absolutely. Of, yeah. And also it's stranger than fiction. So there are things that can happen in a historical show that if you saw it in a in a in a fictional show, you'd be like, what? What am I watching? This can't pop. But the, but when it really happened, you can fall back on that and be like, oh, my God, these wild things happened. And people believe it. Like there's one example. I mean, this wouldn't happen until like season six. OK, but, but there's one example where like the French army actually was losing to the Dutch Navy. And they realized that they could catch the Dutch Navy if they charged it when it was in port during the middle of winter. So there was an actual battle that happened where French cavalry is charging across a frozen lake and attacking a Navy. And they're like firing, these boats are firing cannons at the cavalry. You know, stuff like that would be yeah. like nonsensical to see in a fictional thing, but it really happened. Stuff like that, you can get this, a lot of fun. You probably won't be able to, maybe you're smart and probably be able to film it, but there's something interesting about um, the tax system, right? So basically, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I may even boring you, but it fascinates me where like, <laughs> The tax system is sets up the funding of the government, yeah. right? And that's democracy, right? Where everybody's got to pay their share, mm -hmm. except for corporations. I'm just kidding. And basically, everybody's got to pay their share, and uh, and then basically that's what funds, you know, you know, that's what funds picking people getting their garbage picked up and right. roads and all that other stuff, right? So, and so that's 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 what they have to figure out within the system, right? Within the French Revolution have democracy so everybody that it's like it's like shifting from dictatorship to democracy we've seen it with all these countries it's like so hard to have that shift i guess right right i think that's exactly right i mean basically the french revolution happened because france mismanaged its finances for a century 
I mean, it really wasn't Louis XVI's fault. He came in with a ton of debt and eventually they couldn't handle it anymore and they collapsed. And their whole image of power was built around being wealthy. So if they ever for a second admitted they were bankrupt, it would collapse the country. But if they tried to fix it, well, as it turns out, that collapsed the country too. So so Louis the Sixteenth is one of the saddest characters in all this because he's, he's really a nice guy. You read every history book. He's just this nice, genuine guy who was put in an impossible situation that he couldn't fix. Um, and taxation was a huge issue for them because basically the way uh, the French monarchy stayed in power is they didn't tax the nobles. And maybe you can have comparison to modern governments yeah. with not deliberately not taxing certain people yeah. to maintain power. Um, but then all of a sudden they didn't have money. And so where this revolution really starts is because they realize they have to start taxing their closest allies. And let's just say their closest allies aren't a big fan of that. <laughs> and so, so that's, uh, that's the conflict, know. right? Because nobody right. wants about money, right? Nobody wants to give up their money. Right. So exactly. But what's great, what's kind of Greek about it is, um, is that they start, or you know, not not in a debt sense, but in a tragedy sense, a Greek tragedy sense, is that the nobles are the ones who aren't willing to pony up, and then all of a sudden, by the end of it, all the nobles are dead. You know, I mean, like they they get tremendous comeuppance from not willing to stand up when they were needed to stand up. So you kind of start the story with like uh, like a young person coming returning from war, who who basically you're kind of telling it from his point of view, I guess, right? right? That's exactly it. And the young person is is Lafayette and he's just coming back and he's full of idea. He's totally idealistic um, and he just wants to make the world a better place. I really like Lafayette is exhibit A for something that's stranger than fiction. Like he is just a guy who wanted to make the world a better place and devoted every day of his life to try to do it. And unfortunately, things don't work out with the American Revolution. They do. And he's able to change the world with just like, I don't know, gumption and like, like just bravery but he tries to do the exact same thing in france and at least the, whole but world they're, the americans are separated right from, mm-hmm. from the rest of the world so there's that that i'm sure that benefited them a great deal totally and you see that exactly play out if, if this show were ever to come to be you'd see that yeah. exactly play out because the first thing that happens as soon as the french monarchy starts falling apart is that every single country in europe attacks them and so suddenly they're at war with all of europe at once yeah Okay, yeah, it's fascinating. So basically, I want to touch on because uh, this is a really great script, and but I want to touch on your bio because, like, obviously, this this uh, not obviously, but this script is doing very well in terms of whatever contest you're submitting to, right? Like, it's 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 getting qualifying finalists, oh, yeah. winners like ours, semifinalists, like it's 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 getting it's getting traction, which is Thank amazing. You, but it says that you only started screen uh, uh, writing screenplays last year. Is that true? Yeah. Yep, that's exactly right. And I only started with this because I really I, I became so in, just engrossed with this story. And I could not believe that other than that Marie Antoinette movie with Kirsten Dunst they made, other than that, there's virtually nothing made on the French Revolution in recent history. There are some small things. I mean, I've, I've watched them all. I'm very familiar, but there's some small things. But for general audiences, there's very, very little. And that just blew my mind because historical shows are such a huge genre. And yet the most interesting, I think, the most engrossing period of all of history and probably the most impactful hasn't been done yet. And I was like, this is this is a crime. And I thought it'd be interesting to try and do, you know, you want a job done right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I thought it'd be interesting. So were you a writer before that in other fields? Like, when did you start writing? Uh, well, um, I'm a lawyer. So um, so I, I write motions and stuff is very different, <laughs> but sure. there are similarities where you're trying to, you know, um, 
write clearly, um, you know, and get to the point. So there were some advantages coming from a law career. Um, but that was, that's my only prior experience with writing. There's so many like, uh, success stories of lawyers turning into screenwriters. Like why Mm -hmm. do you think that that's, that's the case? You know, I think it's because a, a lawyer, basically what they really encourage you to do is make your point clearly. And I think in the modern age, entertainment is really rewarded for getting to the point. And so I think that's one of the big legs up that uh, lawyers might have as prior experience. Because you have big vocabularies. <laughs> well, obviously, there's some fam- obviously famous novelists who are, are not uh, lawyers, but the David E. Kelly, which is probably, you know, probably the most successful TV writer in the last 40 years was a lawyer before he right. became a showrunner and married Michelle Pfeiffer. But yeah, so it's, it's just like, that's just the key example. Cause you're doing, that's the, that's the guy that they get your script to right there. Right. You, right. You great idea. Script. Yeah. That's a great idea. I'll have to check that out. And your fellow, you know, your fellow uh, lawyers, I guess <laughs> I was going to be more sophisticated <laughs> on that. So, okay. So you never wrote a screenplay before you're a lawyer. So what is, what did you do? Did you start writing, reading screenplay books about format? Like what was your process? So the very first thing I did is I sat down and I started to try to write and it was God awful. I can't describe to you how bad I I slept on it. I said, okay, good. I've written like, you know, I just wrote all night and I I woke up the next morning and I was like, this is the worst thing I've ever read. And the first thing I realized is, oh, I don't know anything about the French Revolution. And so the first thing I did is I literally got every single book I could get my hands on. So I've read about, um, well, well over 50 books on it now. And I also looked at every single piece of media that was done on it. Um, so there have been uh, about four Marie Antoinette films that have been done. Uh, there was an old Lafayette film, you know, like random stuff, really ast- astoundingly little considering how rich the material is. I also went and watched like French Revolution inspired stuff like uh, Les Miserables or, or, you know, stuff yeah. like that. So I went through that. Pro- and I also watched Versailles, the show Versailles, which is on, which is about Louis Fourteenth, So uh, the great, great grandfather. But um, he um, so I basically did a lot of research on the material uh, and that was extremely helpful for me because you really get an idea of the characters. And then what I did, which um, which was the hardest part, I think, was basically I went through each character's story and wrote out what was happening, but where each character was as these things were happening and flowing them together because history books are really written event to event. And I was trying to focus on the characters and what they were going through. And they have all sorts of personal dramas. I mean, again, spoiler alerts, <laughs> but yeah. um, Marie Antoinette is having uh, an affair. Um, and it really symbolizes how their family is falling apart, just as the empire is falling apart. Louis uh, Louis has to deal with uh, this affair going on, his empire falling apart. And he he descends into alcoholism and, and has a really tough you see this great man just kind of or this great guy i guess just kind of totally collapse so i was just following their personal journeys and lafayette meanwhile is this super idealistic guy who you know is really trying to to make the world a better place and he sees that i don't know uh, human nature perhaps uh it's not always possible and some things you think you want um don't necessarily work out and he ends up being exiled and 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 put in prison and, and and having a terrible end of his life and he emerges from prison to france being in a dictatorship so um, you see a lot of when you watch the story from their personal journeys, and that's just a couple of them. When you watch the story from their personal journeys, you get some stuff. The other key thing that happened from that process was I found this guy Mirabeau, who's probably like one of the wildest characters in all of history. I mean, he's a he's a drunk ex-convict 
uh, philanderer, adulterer. I mean, he is just a scoundrel. And all of a sudden, he ends up leading the French Revolution and overthrowing a monarchy. I mean, he's a he's an unbelievable character in history, and there's virtually nothing about him. There have only been two major books written on him, and they're both from like seventy years ago. So, um, so honestly, there should be a book there. Um, but I decided to, to do the show. I guess you're kind of <laughs> touching on something. How like it's interesting how certain historical characters don't really get noticed, but then like someone like Napoleon. I everybody knows who he is right yeah yeah it's just interesting it's like i guess it's from from who wrote who writes about it or who like who makes a movie history is written it. by the winners i mean that's a, a ancient phrase and it's so true like uh you know napoleon didn't end up winning but he was winning long enough that he wrote the whole system of law that europe uses to this day the napoleonic code i mean he really became a legend and he got to write a lot of the story of the french revolution uh by basically ending it and writing its obituary and so he he kind of asserts himself as this dominant guy and frankly he is i mean his story is probably the craziest in history he started as a nobody in corsica from a from a family that nobody respected and he ends up rising all the way to being dictator of all of europe i mean it's a pretty extraordinary life um but there are other characters who have just as extraordinary lives or, or comparably extraordinary lives yeah. um who don't get any credit yeah it's weird but I guess there's a certain it's character too, right? Like, uh, like, like custard was an ultimate failure, but there's a key, a certain personality that totally. Yeah, that and who's a failure and who's a success? Yeah. I think has a lot more to do with fate than people appreciate because you see, um, honestly, I think Game of Thrones did this well with Rob Stark, where they made this like really heroic guy and had him just, oh, I mean, spoiler alert, but it, things yeah. don't work out well for him. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, with, with history, you get the same thing. So Louis the 16th is the nicest guy and he just wants to be a good king and he wants to take care of his people. And he ends up not only failing, but dying for it. And uh, it's a really poetic and sad story. Lafayette, same thing. He wants to make the world a better place and he's brave and he's decisive and he's everything you'd want in a leader. And he ends up ultimately failing, uh, at least based on his definition of success. He ends up failing and, and, and his whole family's killed and everyone he loves dies. And he's just left in solitary confinement to think about what he's done. And what did he do? He just tried to make the world a better place. Yeah. I mean, there's really, it's, it's kind of astounding how history works out. Well, are you so have you written just the pilot, or have you written for, for? Well, I've scoped out the entire show um, for roughly <laughs> ten seasons or so, yeah. and not because I'm a tryhard, but because in order to understand the show at all, I had to basically understand what happens, and I had to understand what happens where I wanted to start, and also I had to understand what happens going forward. So I've scoped out the entire show, and it really follows through. It starts here, and it goes all the way through. Uh, the life of Lafayette, the life of Louis, the life of Marie, all the way through to when Robespierre and Danton start taking power uh, and Marat and all and keeps falling until Napoleon overthrows them, because all of these are intermixed. Like Napoleon gets introduced as Robespierre's rising. Right. And then when yeah. Robespierre falls, Napoleon starts rising. Right. And you get you, you're basically following each of these stories in a, in a, in a kind of one constant wave. Um, and then it all comes crashing down at the end with a climactic. I mean, really, the story goes from in this telling, it goes from the end of the American Revolution to the end of the Napoleonic Wars with the fall of Napoleon in the hundred you've days. Written, you've written like, the, like all the seasons and are you just done outlines? Well, the series Bible of it. Oh, my yeah, God. Okay, I, yeah. Not all the episodes. That yeah. would be pretty epic. But no, no, I've written the series Bible for all of it. So I have it all scoped out. 
So you've been this is this you this this has consumed your last year of your life then I guess I'm assuming. Well yeah yeah I've been working and what have you but yes basically. Oh you uh, still have a job okay you still working yeah, yeah, right, okay. Right. I've been blessed with an hour and a half commute each way. And so what I do is I sit down and I um, read or write or, or do something on it. So I get about three hours each day where I'm able to do that. So uh, that's after most people, don't, most people don't say that they're blessed, I guess. Right. But I guess. Well, yeah. Okay. Maybe I made the best of made the best of an hour and a half. Can I ask what your, I, I'm sure nobody, what your commute is, is like where, from where to where? Yeah. 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 I, I I'm, I'm in Woodlawn in the Bronx and okay. it's the greatest neighborhood in the world. Let me tell you. And I work down in the FIDI where the courts are. So all of a sudden I, that's about an hour and a half because uh, you have to take a bus to a train. You have to take a bus to the train. Yeah. But then the yeah. line takes you all the way down, right? So you just on the. But then the line takes you all the way down. Yep, yep. So then uh, you, I always go to the upper east. west side and and then go. Yeah, I take the east. I take the east. You could oh, take the west in theory. No, no, you could. You could take the gotcha. two, but I take the four. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. That's so I've been riding it on the train, like just curled up in my little. There's not I an always express the train seat. for you. Like... It is an express train, but even as an express, because it's just a long way to go, unfortunately. And you just sit and on the subway, but what happens if there's like, there's like, it gets pretty packed, packed, right? You have to guess you have to go, go early. Yeah. So I've been, I've gotten very good at writing on my phone. Um, so I just look like I'm like, I don't know, scrolling through Reddit, but really I'm on, uh, I use Arc Studio Pro. Really I'm on Arc yeah. Studio Pro and I'm just editing the script or what have you. That's amazing. You never know what people are doing, right? You think everybody's just on their Instagram. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Right. Well, that's, that's, that's amazing. So you're blessed with it because most people wouldn't say they're blessed, but you, you do like you, it's about taking advantage of the time you have, I guess. Right. Totally. Yeah. I think time is everything. I think, you know, <laughs> this weary life we lead, right. <laughs> I think, I think time's everything. And so you got to yeah. make the best of it. And so I, you know, sometimes I just pass out, but for the most part, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get something done there. Cool. All right. Well, congratulations on the script. I I'd, I would say wish you the best, but it seems to be doing very well for yourself. So I guess the next stage is for you to to get some make do some meetings and uh, get these this get this in the right hands. Absolutely, that's exactly what I'm trying to do. Uh, get some eyeballs on it and um, and see where it goes. It'd be amazing if anything were to come of it. All right. Thank thank you. It was great talking to you. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time and thanks for putting this together. I really appreciate it. It was great chatting with you. Exterior Dockside, Day. French soldiers march onto a ship in good order. One carries a royal French flag. George Washington, 49, Hamilton, Lafayette, Axel von Fersen, and General Rochambeau, 56, observe them while drinking well-earned cups of tea. Axel and Rochambeau are in white-on-blue Royal French Army uniforms. The rest are in dark blue American uniforms. Rochambeau finishes his tea, adjusts his medals, and prepares to leave. Tea has never tasted so sweet. And now it is tax-free. Rochambeau laughs too loudly, catching Washington off guard. General Washington, it has been a pleasure serving with you. Sensing the moment, they all place down their tea. The pleasure is mine, General Rochambeau. Washington extends his hand for a shake. You Americans in your shaking hands. Rochambeau gamely shakes his hand. America will never forget all that France has done for us. Rochambeau smiles politely. Never is a long time, but I believe that you will remember. I know the British will. Rochambeau smiles devilishly and turns to leave, but stops. You have done the impossible, General. Now comes the hard part. 
Rochambeau nods reassuringly. Washington nods solemnly. Ready, Lafayette? Lafayette nods. He salutes Washington. Washington salutes. Your friends, and I first among them, will miss you. Lafayette drops his salute and extends his hand for a heartfelt shake. Washington warmly smiles and shakes. Lafayette's shake is far more natural and familiar than Rochambeau's was. Intimate, even. Like a father and son. This is not goodbye. Washington nods. Rochambeau, Axel von Fersen, and Lafayette board the ship. Washington and Hamilton watch them go. Once Lafayette is out of view, Washington's smile fades. Lafayette's a smart man. He'll be fine. Washington frowns. France is no place for fine men. Interior, prison, cell, day. A prison cell door swings open to reveal Mirabeau. 34. He has a portly frame, puffy lips, slightly bulging eyes, and a hideously pockmarked face, topped by a gigantic disheveled hairdo a la Beethoven. He looks every bit like a man who has been in solitary confinement for the last two years. He's curled in a ball in the corner. A waste bucket sits nearby. The deep voice of a judge, 60s, intones. Count Mirabu, you stand accused of rape, sodomy, evading arrest. A prison guard, 30s, stands at the doorway of the cell. He takes the bucket and throws its vile contents on Mirabeau. Insolvency, publishing erotic literature, public indecency, soliciting prostitution. The prison guard throws clothes at Mirabeau's feet. Assaulting the Marquis Monnier, abducting the Marquez Monnier. Count Mirabeau, are you listening? Mirabeau snaps out of a daze, now standing in a courtroom in the clothes that were thrown at his feet, with his hair still wet. The judge leers over him from a raised table. The prison guard stands nearby with other guards. Mirabeau, heavily intoxicated, sways slightly before nodding. Are you drunk? Mirabeau considers the question, then shakes his head. The judge frowns and looks at the prison guard, who shrugs. Count Mirabeau. You are accused of heinous crimes against nature, God, and King. His Majesty mercifully permitted you two years to consider your crimes. Are you now prepared to confess and atone for your sins? Mirabeau enters a deep think. They wait. Could you read them again? The judge looks at the prison guard, who hits Mirabeau in the stomach. Mirabeau stumbles. The judge begins signing papers. If two years alone in a vault hasn't changed you, then nothing will. I'm recommending immediate trial and punishment. Guards, transfer Count Mirabeau to his ward in Pontelier. The guards advance towards Mirabeau. You give me up to Monier, and I won't live to see a trial. The judge shares an amused glance with the prison guard. Marquis Monier is not your ward. Mirabeau looks genuinely confused. You don't know who asked His Majesty to put you here, do you? The guards grab Mirabeau, 